Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Stamm helps us remember the tragedy of the Holocaust, and Mac Dominic joins James Collins for a moment of prophecy. We want to say hello to everyone listening on one of the more than 500 radio signals we broadcast on each day. If you're a new listener to Watchmen on the Wall, make sure you get the free new listener pack. Inside, you'll receive the latest issue of our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer, a special welcome letter, and a free gift. Get your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or just sign up online, swrc.com. Now, let's join James Collins and Larry Stamp as they remember the Holocaust. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. This day of remembrance is a special day to memorialize the six million Jews murdered in the Holocaust, as well as the millions of non-Jewish victims of Nazi persecution. Today on this special edition of The Watchman on the Wall, my guest is Larry Stamm. Larry is a Jew for Jesus. He has a passion to share the Lord Jesus Christ and to tell the world that Christianity is Jewish. He is the author of the best-selling book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, and the companion DVD of the same name. Both are available here at swrc.com. Larry's here today to talk with me about the Holocaust. Larry, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. James, great to be with you. Larry, many people may not know this about you, but you are a first-generation Holocaust survivor. So would you share your story with us? I grew up in a reform Jewish household, a liberal expression of Judaism. My father and his family escaped Nazi Germany in the spring of 1939. If your listeners remember about the Holocaust, in Germany in November of 1938, the event called Kristallnacht happened. It was called the Night of the Broken Glass, mm-hmm. and really that was the beginning of intense persecution institutionally against the Jewish people in Germany. And it was getting hot and heavy over there. And there was an SS agent serving in the Nazi party in 1939. And this SS agent had been friends with my grandpa, Grandpa Karl, served with my grandpa Karl in the German army in World War I, Mm. was sympathetic to my father and his parents, and actually put his life on the line, James, and falsified papers, enabling my father and his parents to leave Nazi Germany. They escaped again in the spring of 1939. They came to British Honduras. We know it today as Belize. They stayed there two years and eventually immigrated to Florida and the United States in 1941. And I was born and raised in the state of Florida. So that's a little bit about my touch point with the Holocaust. But obviously, that's just the start The Holocaust has affected me and my family throughout my life. I can tell you that the remainder of my father's extended family, they all were murdered by the Nazis. Not one of them survived. So it was really difficult and has been a very painful part of my family's history, to be sure, and for the history of many Jewish people and others, as we'll talk about. From 1933 to 1945, the Nazis murdered 6 million Jews across Europe and North Africa. 
By the end of World War II in 1945, the Nazis had killed nearly two out of every three European Jews. Now, Larry, as a first-generation Holocaust survivor, how does that make you feel when you hear those statistics? Those ideas and those facts, they're stunning, they're haunting, they're painful, and in my case, personal, as I've had family members murdered in the Holocaust. And so, James, part of what we're doing here on the radio and part of what great organizations like the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum are doing are remembering and telling the world that we as a human race should work tirelessly to never allow this kind of horrific genocide to ever happen again. Yes, amen. Well, Hitler and his regime had a term, the final solution. What does the term final solution refer to, Larry? The term final solution of the Jewish question was actually a euphemism used by Nazi Germany's leaders. It referred to the mass murder of Europe's Jewish population, and it brought an end to the policies aimed at encouraging or forcing Jewish people to leave the German Reich and other parts of Europe. So instead of forcing them to leave or encouraging them to leave, those policies were replaced by systematic annihilation. The Nazi leaders actually envisioned, James, killing 11 million Jewish people as part of the final solution, and they succeeded in murdering 6 million. And by the way, your listeners may not realize this, but Hitler and the Nazis murdered another 4 million people who were not Jewish. Right. And that's another part of the incredible genocide perpetrated by Hitler and the Nazis. Over the years, we've seen films like Schindler's List that showed Nazi death camps. We've watched documentaries. But you had family there. What was it like in a Nazi death camp, Larry? I can't tell you personally. You know, I was born in the 60s. I knew a survivor of Auschwitz, a friend of my father's family, who was a little girl at the time of the war, was actually in Auschwitz with a couple of my father's family members who didn't make it out. I knew her in the 1980s and 90s. Her name was Annalisa. She had a tattoo on her arm, a number tattoo, which delineated Auschwitz concentration camp people from others with that tattooed numbering. She survived the war, actually, after the war, came to America and taught about the Holocaust at a university for a time. But I want to share with your listeners, I referred to it before, I would refer them again to check it out, the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, which you can find at ushmm.org. That's ushmm.org. And here's a brief paragraph describing life in the concentration camps from the U.S. Holocaust Museum, and it reads, The first concentration camp in the Nazi system was in Dachau, which opened in March 1933. By the end of World War II, the Nazis administered a massive system of more than 40,000 camps. Can you imagine? 40,000 camps that stretched across Europe from the French-Spanish border into the conquered Soviet territories and as far south as Greece and North Africa. The largest number of prisoners obviously were Jewish people, but individuals were arrested and imprisoned for a variety of reasons, including ethnicity and political affiliation. Prisoners were subjected to unimaginable terrors from the moment they arrived in the camps. Certainly it was dehumanizing. It involved the struggle to survive against a system designed to annihilate them. That's a little bit just briefly about what it would have been like. Again, 
I can't know personally. I don't know personally, but I would encourage people that at the Holocaust Museum website, there are video testimonies of Jewish people who survived concentration camps, and I would encourage people to check it out to learn more. You know, the whole point of Holocaust Remembrance Day is so that we never forget and we never allow something like this to happen again. But anti-Semitism is unfortunately on the rise. For those who are not familiar with the term, Larry, what is anti-Semitism? Anti-Semitism, James, is basically prejudice against or hatred of Jews. The Holocaust, the state-sponsored persecution and murder of European Jews by Nazi Germany and its collaborators, history's most extreme example of anti-Semitism. But there's more, courtesy of the U.S. Holocaust Museum. I found this. They write, the term anti-Semitism was coined only as far back as the 19th century, but anti-Jewish hatred and Judeophobia, fear of Jews, dates back to ancient times and has a variety of causes. In the Middle Ages and early modern era, religious antagonism towards Europe's Jewish people resulted in anti-Jewish legislation, expulsions, and violence. In much of Europe, government policies, customs, and laws segregated Jews from the rest of the population relegated them to particular jobs and prohibited them from owning land. In the 19th century, many of these restrictions were lifted through political emancipation. But in Tsarist Russia, for instance, anti-Jewish laws remained until 1917. The Nazis in the 30s built upon centuries of anti-Jewish sentiment, religious, economic, and political, but viewed the Jewish people as a separate and dangerous race that could never be assimilated into European society. So that's a little bit about anti-Semitism's past. Is anti-Semitism still a problem today? Absolutely. Vandalism, violence, and verbal attacks are all forms of anti-Semitism that remain prevalent today. Not only is anti-Semitic hatred on the rise in Europe in recent years, James, but it's actually on the rise here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Just last year in 2021, A new report came out by an organization called the American Jewish Community, listen to this number, that found that nearly 25% of Jewish people in America had experienced some form of anti-Semitism. This is in 2021 in the United States of America, James. In fact, that same committee called for action to stop what the group characterized as a, quote, severe problem in the nation. So is anti-Semitism still a problem today? Absolutely. On this Holocaust Remembrance Day, we do remember the six million Jews murdered in Europe during the World War II years. We know that it was the Nazis, we know that it was evil, but the Holocaust couldn't have happened without the active or passive participation of millions of people. Even the church in Germany turned a blind eye, didn't they? Yes. Again, I'm no authority on the Holocaust, though I've personally been affected by it in a number of ways. But I can tell you that Germany in World War II was really the only European nation that could boast a similar number of Protestants and Catholics. Germany in World War II, James, had a population of about 60 million, the vast majority identifying as either Protestant or Catholic. The Jewish population in Germany in 1933 was around half a million people. I take this abstract from the U.S. Holocaust Museum because it's succinct, it's powerful, and they write this about the church in Germany and the church's 
action or inaction during the Holocaust. In both German churches, the Catholic and the Protestant, there were members, including clergy and leading theologians, who openly supported the Nazi regime. But with time, anti-Nazi sentiment grew in both Protestant and Catholic church circles as the Nazi regime exerted greater pressure on them. So in turn, the Nazi regime saw potential for dissent in church criticism of state measures. There was actually a protest statement read from the pulpits of confessing churches in March 1935, for example, and the Nazi authorities reacted forcefully by briefly arresting over 700 pastors. Mm. The general tactic by the leadership of both Protestant and Catholic churches in Germany was caution with respect to protest and compromise with the Nazi state leadership where possible. There was criticism within both churches of Nazi racialized ideology and notions of Arianism, and movements emerged in both churches to defend church members who were considered, quote, non-Aryan under Nazi racial laws. Yet throughout this period, there was virtually no public opposition, as you mentioned, James. There was virtually no public opposition to anti-Semitism or any readiness by church leaders to publicly oppose the regime on issues of anti-Semitism and state-sanctioned violence against the Jews. Now, to be sure, there were individual Catholics and Protestants who spoke out on behalf of the Jewish people, like that great Lutheran pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And there were small groups within both churches that became involved in rescue and resistance activities. But as a whole, James, was actually after the war, 1945, after the war, the silence of the church leadership and the widespread complicity of ordinary Christians compelled leaders of both churches, the Protestant and the Catholic Church in Germany, to address issues of guilt and complicity during the Holocaust. It's actually a process that even continues internationally to this day, and on this International Holocaust Remembrance Day, I'm sure there are Christians around the world who are remembering and repenting and acknowledging that this can never happen again, this genocide against Jewish people and any people. Well, Larry, you may not have an answer to this, but as a Messianic believer in Jesus Christ and a first-generation Holocaust survivor, why do you think so many people went along with Hitler's plans to exterminate the Jewish people? Do you have an educated guess, perhaps? We'll probably talk about spiritual components, but on a human level, it's complicated. Ignorance, indifference, fear and existing anti-Semitic sentiments among the masses were perhaps major reasons, James. You know, during the war, think about it, wartime, as we record this, our world's experiencing wars and rumors of wars. At the time of World War II, people were either too busy being about their own business, trying to survive their war on their own. They weren't concerned for anyone but themselves. Additionally, there was fear of being persecuted and even killed for standing up against Nazi policies. And this would have played a part, certainly, in people standing silent and being passive. And many people, frankly, were simply indifferent to the plight of the Jewish people since the Nazi atrocities didn't affect them. And so they were, quote-unquote, bystanders. And bystanders was a catch-all term that applied to people who were passive or indifferent to the escalating persecution that culminated in the Holocaust. And actually, after the war, there were thousands of Germans and Europeans who claimed They were not involved, that they were simply innocent bystanders to the events of the Holocaust. 
In addition, James, existing anti-Semitic prejudices, including traditional religious forms of anti-Semitism, heightened by Nazi propaganda efforts to divide peoples of different ethnic backgrounds, resulted in many people seeing Jews as alien, contributing to the climate of passivity or apathy. So those are just a few thoughts regarding why people would have gone along with such atrocities. Larry, you brought up the spiritual. In my research, I have found that many Nazi officials, including Adolf Hitler, were heavily into the occult. Do you think the Holocaust was demonic? Yes, to be sure. The Holocaust was a demonically and satanically motivated endeavor perpetrated by wicked, evil people. And remember, James, we know the Word of God calls the devil a murderer from the beginning. Mm -hmm. He's called the father of lies. We know that Satan is the author of confusion. Think about this. He is called a murderer from the beginning. Six million Jewish people and four million others were murdered by the Nazis. And while many individuals in the Third Reich were heavily involved in the occult, to be sure, lies and confusion diluted millions of people as well. If your listeners remember, the Nazis had a propaganda machine Mm -hmm. which created false narratives about Jewish people and actually demonized not only Jewish people, but anybody who opposed the Nazi agenda. Again, this was another satanically inspired tool to control the masses, but... You know, the spiritual component of satanic influence that fostered such hatred against the Jewish people is much broader historically than simply the Holocaust. For example, your listeners may remember that Jews were expelled from nearly every country in Europe at one point. The Jewish people were expelled from England in 1290. The Jewish people were expelled from Spain in 1492. In fact, in Eastern Europe, Jewish people were violently persecuted through what were known as pogroms, Pogrom, a Russian word meaning to wreak havoc, to demolish violently. Historically, that term pogrom refers to violent attacks by local non-Jewish populations on Jewish people in the Russian Empire and in other countries. And that first such incident to be labeled a pogrom is believed to be anti-Jewish rioting in Odessa in 1821. As a descriptive term, pogrom came into common usage with extensive anti-Jewish riots that swept the southern and western provinces of the Russian Empire from 1881 to 1884, following the assassination of Tsar Alexander II. And those are but a few examples I could go on. But your audience may wonder, James, why this irrational, violent hatred of the Jewish people throughout history has been. Well, in one sense understand that Israel and the Jewish people are at the heart of God's redemptive plan for man. And so satanically motivated and inspired anti-Semitism is part of the devil's agenda, which opposes at every turn the plans and purposes of our great God. It goes back to Genesis 3.15. God said to the serpent, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Satan knew from that prophecy from the beginning that Messiah would come and Satan would be ultimately defeated. Larry, I love you, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for sharing your heart with us on the Watchman on the Wall today. James, thank you for the opportunity to share today and God bless you and the audience. Get today's program, Holocaust Remembrance, with Larry Stamm on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. A free resource I hope everyone will sign up for is our Moment of Prophecy e-newsletter. 
which is delivered to your inbox each week with messages from teachers Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins. It also has the latest on new resources and conferences. Sign up today at swrc.com and start receiving a Moment of Prophecy e-newsletter. Let's turn our attention to the studio now as James Collins welcomes back to the program Mac Dominic. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Adolf Hitler's evil obsession with witchcraft, Satanism, astrology, and pagan religions led to the death of over six million Jewish people. Joining me to talk about Hitler's occult connection and how these things fit into last day's deception is Mac Dominic. Mac is one of our favorite Bible teachers and a longtime friend of our ministry. Today we're going to talk about his brilliant teaching DVD set called Blood Sacrifice. There's two volumes in the Blood Sacrifice. Volume 1 is Cleansing the Soil for the Aryan Antichrist, and Volume 2 is Thy Kingdom Come, Hitler's Complete Conquest of the German Christian Churches. Mac, welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall. Thank you, James. The title of the DVD set is Blood Sacrifice because through the concentration camps, the Nazis were actually sacrificing the Jews to their pagan gods to cleanse the soil for the Aryan Antichrist. Would you elaborate on that? The Aryan philosophy that permeated Germany back before World War II was that the Aryan race was the superior master race. And it was a situation where people looked at a pure bloodline and they wanted to preserve and promote the pure Aryan blood in order to bring about the Superman, or the Ubermensch, as they called it. And they also wanted to get land to accommodate all of those folks who they felt belonged in the Aryan race, and that would be Nordic, Teutonic, and other Western European races all together. And so they wanted to get the land, they wanted to cleanse the land of all unacceptable inferior races, and then sacrifice their blood to these pagan gods to promote the Aryan race. Would you briefly explain Hitler's fascination with the occult? Hitler bought into the story that had been preached in Germany from the mid-19th century of how from Atlantis came seven root races, one of those being the Aryans who were dominant, and that was due to infusion with aliens from outer space and all kinds of things that worked into that. But he studied the secret doctrine of H.P. Blavatsky, And the secret doctrine is a two-volume set, if you have the books. This two-volume set was dictated to her by a spirit guide. So basically, Hitler kept the secret doctrine by his bed, studied it religiously, and utilized all of that power to gain a position to be possessed by a dark spirit to rule over Germany, and it was all a supernatural situation where he came to be the ruler of Germany via a supernatural agency, through the occult sciences, specifically from the teachings of Blavatsky and her spirit guide. Isn't it true, Mac, that Hitler's Nuremberg rallies were actually satanic rituals? Yes, they were. As a matter of fact, you know, they duplicated the Temple of Zeus 
from Pergamos, Greece. The setting there was at what is the Temple of Zeus. Now, we know that Zeus was the son of two of the Titans, and the Titans can be equated with the Watchers of Genesis 6, and Zeus also can be equated directly with Satan and Baal and other pagan gods as they're listed in the Bible. So basically what they did, they duplicated the whole temple of Zeus in Nuremberg, and they held these rallies there under the umbrella of occult power and occult guidance. There's no question about it. Wasn't there a photo of Hitler at Nuremberg with a caption, in the beginning was the word? And didn't some in Germany change the Lord's Prayer to our father Adolf, who art in Nuremberg? Hallowed be thy name, thy third right come. Yes, they did. And as a matter of fact, the German church adopted a logo which incorporated the cross and the swastika Uh. with the D.C. Deutsch Church altogether. So yes, they did all of that. That's exactly right. I believe that history repeats itself, Mac. And just like the German churches went along with Hitler, won't churches go along with the Antichrist when he rises to power? Yes, they will. There's also no question about that biblically. But we do know that those churches will be the remnants of those that are not in the rapture, people that are not saved. And as Second Thessalonians tells us, that they will believe a lie, that they all may be damned because they did not follow the gospel of Jesus Christ in the age of grace. Don't you believe that the Holocaust goes back all the way almost to the beginning, to Genesis 3.15? Satan has always wanted to destroy the Jewish people? Yes, I do. Satan has a real vendetta against the Jews, and vendetta is not a really strong enough word. He wants to destroy them because they are God's chosen people. We know that God chose Abraham to be the ancestor of a race of people, and they would be God's people, not because they were larger, stronger, more spiritual, because God in his infinite wisdom chose them for his own people and for his own inheritance. So therefore, Satan wants to do away with God's inheritance because he wants to control the entire creation in a demonic system. If you're just joining us, my guest on this Holocaust Remembrance Day is Mac Dominic. We've been talking about his excellent DVD set called Blood Sacrifice. You can get a copy of this video documentary by calling 1-800-652-1144 or online at swrc.com. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In our resource center today, we're highlighting the two DVDs, Blood Sacrifice by Mac Dominic. These DVDs offer hours of insight into the occult connections of Adolf Hitler. These DVDs look at the coming biblical antichrist through the eyes of Adolf Hitler and Hitler's complete conquest of the German Christian churches. Order Blood Sacrifice DVDs today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Tomorrow, we wrap up Anniversary Month with a very special program you won't want to miss. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing 
to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for 89 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.